Also, we have reviewed the Diploma Yijin Subsidy Scheme to continue to provide an alternative pathway for ASIC school leavers as well as adult learners to obtain formal qualification for the purposes of employment and further study. Our vocation and professional education training will continue to promote applied learning as a valued senior secondary selective subject by developing more diversified and up-to-date courses, as well as placing equal emphasis on practice and theory to cater for the diverse interests of students and And just a reminder that we're listening to the Chief Executive's policy address, which she's uh, currently delivering at the Legislative Council. Um, we should have uh, a news summary for you uh, later this afternoon at 2 p.m to study further, will now have access to subsidized undergraduate education. In fact, the post-secondary education of Hong Kong is where our strengths lie. Not only will it nurture local talents for us, but will also contribute to bring a pool of talents for the GBA. I visited eight UGC-funded universities around July and August this year to understand the latest developments. I'm pleased to learn that the resources invested by the current-time government and university research have been creating very positive impacts and outcomes are most encouraging. Take the results of the research assessment exercise 2020 announced by the UGC earlier as an example. About 16,000 research items involving 41 disciplines in 13 areas were assessed by the distinguished overseas and local scholars. Among them, 25% were judged to be well-leading and further, 45% were judged to be internationally excellent. The research marching matching grant scheme, which covers a period of three years, is due to end in July next year under the original plan. I propose to extend the scheme for another two years so that the industrial and commercial sectors can continue to make good use of the scheme to support the research work of the higher education sector. We are committed to catering for students with special education needs. The current time government has doubled the recurring expansion on integrated education about $3.6 billion per year, while the recurring expansion of special education has also increased from about $2.5 billion to about $3.5 billion per year. The allocations do not include the provision of the on-site preschool rehabilitation services for preschool children under the LWB. To encourage non-Chinese-speaking parents to send their children to local KGs, signed from 2017-18 school year, the EDB has been providing additional subsidy for KGs under the KG Education Scheme admitting non-Chinese-speaking students. What is more important, however, is to assess the effectiveness of this initiative and make adjustments appropriate and hope that language will no longer be a barrier for non-Chinese-speaking students to integrate into the local community and enter the job market. The child is father to the men. This is particularly true for a person's character and sense of national identity. Education on these attributes must begin from an early age. Students should acquire through education at an early age a correct understanding of the history and culture of our country, as well as the way of the life of its people, including the constitutional order of the Hong Kong itself. Many veteran educators I have great expectations of the Hong Kong itself government making Chinese history an independent compulsory subject of the junior secondary level and revising the curriculum since 2018-19 school year, as well as on the citizenship and social development subject, which has been introduced to replace the liberal 
broad studies subjects starting from this school year. The EDB will still monitor in this respect. More education is an important part of school education. To develop students' positive values and attitudes, EDB has in recent years launched funding programs under the Quality Education Fund to support schools in promoting values education to help students cope with adversities with a positive attitude and develop positive thinking. To safeguard against the adverse effects of disinformation on the Internet, we enhance the media and information literacy of teachers and students, and optimize the use of the QEF to support schools in promoting media and information literacy education, teaching students how to distinguish the authenticity of information, nurturing the critical thinking skills, thereby consolidating values education. Confronting Confronted with their challenges, brought by a rapidly aging population and a declining fertility rate, Hong Kong will face a bottleneck in manpower supply. As a small economy, Hong Kong cannot meet the needs of, of economic development simply by nurturing local talents. We need to attract non-local talents more proactively to enrich our talent pool, promote high-end economic development and seize the development opportunities as provided under the 14th Five-Year Plan and the GBA. Following the government's announcement last year to double the annual quota under the Quality Migrant Admission Scheme to 2000 in an attempt to expand the talent pool of Hong Kong, over 1,700 talents from more than a dozen of countries and regions were approved with the quota. I've decided to double the annual quota of the scheme to 4,000 to attract talents from all over the world to work in Hong Kong. The first tenant list of Hong Kong was promulgated by the government in 2018. Upon the completion of a review recently, we decided to add the new professions of financial professionals in compliance and asset management and professionals in environmental, social and governance to the list. We will also expand the scope of some existing professions to ex include experts of medical and healthcare services, microelectronics, integrated circuit design and arts technology and refine the requirements on legal and dispute resolution professions. With a view to complementing Hong Kong's future policy direction to develop the key areas of finance, INT, arts and culture, as well as dispute resolution services. In addition, through the network of our ETOs and mainland officers, we'll assist relevant bureaus and attracting talents to work in Hong Kong. As an international financial center with mutual access to the mainland's capital market, Hong Kong is a huge demand for financial services personnel. The Financial Services Treasury Bureau will collaborate with EDB and LWB to explore the development of professional qualification standards under the qualifications framework for the fintech sector, so as to provide clearer and recognized professional development pathway for employers and practitioners in the industry. Meanwhile, more Courses related to finance will include in the list of reimbursable courses under the Continuing Education Fund to attract more talents to join the industry. The DOJ will introduce a range of measures to attract and retain top legal talents, such as relaxing the qualification requirements and handling international commercial disputes and clearing for the types of supporting documents required for transactional lawyers. Moreover, the DOJ will regularize the pilot scheme introduced in June last year to allow eligible non-Hong Kong residents to participate in arbitral proceedings in Hong Kong as visitors on a short-term basis without the need to obtain employment visas beforehand. The scheme will strengthen Hong Kong's position as an international center for legal and dispute resolution services in the Asia-Pacific region. Fostering the IP manpower capacity of the private enterprises is the key to developing Hong Kong into an IP trading center. 
Therefore, the IPD will enhance and organize more training courses under the IP Manager Scheme with a view to assisting SMEs to build up their manpower resources in IP protection management and commercialization. In recent years, the government has been sparing no effort in expanding the INT talent pool. For example, the Global STEM Professorship Scheme proposed in my policy address last year is a huge success. Over 40 distinguished scholars and their research teams from eight economies recruited in the first tranche of graduate arriving in Hong Kong. We will continue to implement the scheme to attract more renowned INT scholars and their research teams to Hong Kong such that our local universities will scale new heights in INT research and development activities. To encourage the UGC fund activities to flexibly deploy resources to nurture more research talents support of their research activities, the over-enrollment ceiling of UGC funded research progress postgraduate program students will be further relaxed from 70% to 100%. Meanwhile, we've already invited the UGC to assess the supply of land, supply of and demand for UGC-funded postgraduate places and consider the feasibility of increasing the number of funded places. The Hong Kong IAA was established in 2016 with the aim of nurturing aviation management talents from Hong Kong region. Apart from actively collaborating with organizations, including local education and vocal and vocational institutions and the International Civil Aviation Organization in offering related training. The HKIA also partnered with the National School of Civil Aviation of France to co-organize the Advanced Master Program in Air Transport Management, which has successfully attracted students from Hong Kong and the Belt and Road Initiative countries. Approval has been given by the Ministry of Education for Senior Management, the main aviation sector, to enroll in the Advanced Master Program starting from next year. Talents are the key to arts and cultural excellence. We'll put more emphasis on nurturing talents in different artistic and creative fields, such as arts administration, arts technology, and script writing. In respect of Cantonese opera, we will provide training for young talents to support the continued professional development of practitioners. As for the film industry, we'll nurture budding directors and script writing talents through the Film Development Fund to enhance two-way flow of talents within the GBA and respond proactively to the aspirations of the International Chambers of Commerce in Hong Kong for the facilitation of non-Chinese Hong Kong residents to travel to the mainland cities of the GBA. I've put forward concrete proposals to the central government. I learned that relevant central authorities would actively consider facilitating the flow of talents between Guangdong and Hong Kong, especially the relevant arrangements which will facilitate non-Chinese nationals residing Hong Kong to travel to the mainland cities of GBA for business, research, exchanges, and visits, etc. To this end, they will agree to discuss the matter with the Hong Kong SR government. By the end of this year, these efforts will enhance Hong Kong's attractiveness to foreign businesses and overseas talents. Over the past two years, Hong Kong has faced severe challenges prompting us to rethink the positioning and focus of our youth work. On the one hand, we should establish more effective channels to gauge the views of young people of different backgrounds in order to better meet their needs in areas such as education, career pursuits, housing, upward mobility, and development of the potential. On the other hand, we need to put more emphasis on nurturing young people's positive thinking to help them develop positive values and enable them to become a new generation with a sense of responsibility and with an aspiration and willingness to strive for the future of our country and of Hong Kong. In this connection, I invite the Youth Development Commission to explore ways to enrich its existing program and launch new funding initiatives. 
For the policy address public consultation this year, I've arranged three special sessions to meet with students, some people, and listen to the views in person. I hope that there will be more exchange opportunities following the delivery of this policy address. The central government also cares about our young people. The 14th five-year plan mentions facilitating young people of Hong Kong and Macau to study work and start businesses in mainland cities of the GBA and establishing a brand of quality exchanges among the young people of Guangdong, Hong Kong, Macau. Recently, the central authorities and relevant municipal governments have also introduced measures to support the development of Hong Kong young people in mainland, including support for the funding scheme for youth entrepreneurship in the GBA and GBA Youth Employment Scheme, as stated in my policy draft last year, as well as support for enhancing various mainland internships and exchange programs. To encourage young people to participate in policy discussion, we have regularized a member self-recommendation scheme for youth, under which young people aged between 18 and 35 are recruited on a regular basis to participate in government advisory committees. Up till now, around 440 posts are held by about 270 young people who have been appointed to SABs through MSSY. The overall ratio of appointing young members in ASBs have increased from 7.8% at the end of 2017 to currently 14.8%, gradually reaching the target of 15% set by the current term government. While we have ambitious plan to deliver, our top priority right now remains clear. That is to have do our best to control the epidemic for the community so that normal cross-boundary flow of people can be resumed as soon as possible. Looking back in our fight against the epidemic over the past 21 months, I and my colleagues as well as the HNR expert teams have strictly implemented with financial justifications the strategy of guarding against the importation of cases and resurgence of local infections. Thanks to the staunch support of the general public, we have weathered four waves of surgeon cases and have adeptly adjusted our anti-epidemic strategy in light of experience. This strategy has proven effective as Hong Kong's figures on confirmed and fatal cases among the lowest in the world. For a city as compact as Hong Kong with the magnitude of flow of people and goods, every Hong Kong citizen should be given credit for this achievement. I would like to express my sincere thanks to each and everyone who has joined the fight against the epidemic. Be they from the civil service, the healthcare and residential care sectors or other trades, the commitment and dedication have enabled society to maintain normal operation as far as practicable amid the epidemic. What is more, on behalf of the Hong Kong SAR, I would extend our heartfelt gratitude to the central government for its care and support for our anti-epidemic work. Last month, the Chief Secretary of Administration led a delegation of the Hong Kong SAR government to attend a meeting on anti-epidemic work with relevant authorities in the mainland. During the meeting, the two sides explore in detail matters relating to the gradual and order resumption of quarantine-free travel between the two places and assess the possible risks of the resumption of quarantine-free travel. The two sides will further study the related details and strive to hold a second meeting as soon as possible. To resume cross-boundary travel, the support of the public is vital. If you, your family or friends have not got a jab yet, please do not hesitate anymore and get vaccinated as soon as possible to prevent yourself and your family from infection and help create favorable conditions for cross-boundary travel. Mr. President, Honourable Members and Fellow Citizens, as I sum up the last policy address for my five-year term of office, I would like to express a few words that are dear to my heart. I left university and joined the government 41 years ago. It has always been my belief that with the vision to serve the community and the readiness to act with a proactive style, I could help build a fairer and more compassionate society for Hong Kong 
come from within the establishment. It has been my honor to participate in the successful return of Hong Kong to the motherland. Since reunification, I've worked in different positions to implement one country, two systems to ensure the long-term prosperity and stability of Hong Kong. When I assumed office as the chief executive for the Hong Kong SEL some four years ago, I deeply felt that I was charged with a heavy responsibility. I realized that this would be the greatest honor in my career and no doubt the biggest challenge in my life. Within two years of taking office, I came under unprecedented pressure due to opposition of the proposed set of amendments, the fugitive offenders ordinance, the social unrest, the incessant and gross interference in Hong Kong affairs by external forces, as well as the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. The driving force backing me up in overcoming all these challenges come from the earnest words of the central government that it will always provide staunch support to Hong Kong. My pledge to always stand by the sight of people of Hong Kong when I took office and the unfailing trust and support of my family. Today, under the double safeguards of national security, and the improved electoral system, Hong Kong is back on the right track of one country, two systems. I'm confident that Hong Kong is much stronger than ever, and I'm most convinced that Hong Kong can integrate into the overall development of the country and play an irreplaceable role as our country strikes towards the second centenary goal of the nation. And of course, I wish that we can nurture a new generation with a sense of national identity and social responsibility, as well as an affection for Hong Kong, and pass on the torch to them. The coming year, 2022, will mark the important occasion of the 25th anniversary of Hong Kong's return to the motherland. Led by the Chief Secretary of Administration, a committee comprising bureaus and departments has commenced preparatory work for a series of celebration activities and will liaise with various sectors of the community in due course to jointly organize more exciting events for the public to rejoice in celebration of our return to the motherland. There have been views that the 25th anniversary of the establishment of the Hong Kong SR is halfway of the journey, that things should remain unchanged for 50 years as enshrined in the basic law and the beginning to the second half of the implementation of one country, two systems. In my view, however, under the steer of the central government and with the cooperation of the Hong Kong SL, we have, through one country, two systems, improved our legal system and enforcement mechanisms required for safeguarding national safety and enhanced electoral system that conforms to the constitutional order of the Hong Kong SL. Safeguarded by the constitution of basic law, one country, two systems will become one of the strengths of the governance system of a country. So long as the Hong Kong SR firmly observes and upholds the principle of one country and fulfills the requirement of patriots administering Hong Kong, the two systems will definitely thrive and flourish, and Hong Kong will continue to be cherished by our country. At this new start, the 2021 policy address has unfolded a new paradigm and set out a new blueprint. Let us stand united and set off to building a bright future together. Thank you.
Okay, there we are. That was the Chief Executive's uh, uh, fifth uh, policy address, um, the last one of her current five-year term. Um, it was a very long speech, almost uh, two hours and 20 minutes. Um, as you may have heard, she was getting quite emotional towards the end there. She was thanking the support of her family and also the central government uh, for helping her through the difficulties presented by the civil unrest of 2019 and then the uh, COVID pandemic. Um, a quick, uh, quick recap of what she had to say in the speech. Um, a theme throughout, in fact, was the introduction of the national security law and the principle of patriots uh, running Hong Kong. Um, Mrs Lam uh, pointed to the uh, calm atmosphere in the chamber when she uh, arrived to deliver her speech, uh, which contrasted with the previous occasions uh, when she was uh, heckled by uh, members uh, of the opposition um, uh, disruptors, uh, she called them, who were trying to uh, paralyse uh, the working of the Legislative Council. Um, uh, over the past two years, she said, um, uh, the, uh, there had been uh, unprecedented challenges, uh, um, um, but Hong Kong still had to uh, deal with certain matters on, it, on its own. Um, um, uh, despite the introduction of the NSL, uh, there was still Article 23 to deal with. Uh, Article 